Welcome to The Wind Down, an afternoon podcast where two techie blokes sit down over a bowl of wine and chat about what's happening in the world of tech. Enjoy while Scott and Nick open up about their week in technology. Well, good afternoon, Scott. Good afternoon, Nick. How are you? Lovely. It's a wonderful day. Excellent, excellent. It's actually it's a little sunny, a little cloudy. It's kind of cool. So where are we? And let's start properly. Where are we? What are we drinking? So today we are actually in our office in Crow's Nest because we had done a, um, a webinar this morning with uh, with WatchGuard talking about uh, cybersecurity and all of the equipment is set up and it was just easier to live it here. Absolutely. But we are drinking wine. We are indeed drinking wine. And because we're able to actually go and source something in bring it back in this case we've actually got a bottle of um st helots blackwell shiraz wow this is um this is a very nice drop it's um it's from the barossa it's 2015 which was a great year for barossa and this particular wine um comes off some grapes that don't produce a, a large volume of um uh, of wine so uh, of um of results so uh, yeah now I can see because I can see the back of the bottle here. Um, it's named in honour of the tireless Stuart Blackwell, a St. Hallett winemaker since 1972, which is actually the year I was born. Oh, there you go. Well, there's all these things. So um, enough about the wine because we'll come back to that later, as we normally do, and we'll keep drinking it as we go. Um, but today we're talking about fishing. So I imagine us out on the lake on a boat, you know, with the rods in the water. No. That's exactly what it is. You are correct, and that is why fishing is such a successful security um, issue in today's environment. Okay, so I've heard of fishing, but today in the WatchGuard webinar that we did earlier, I heard people mention spear fishing. Yes, there are indeed different types of fishing. Look, fishing in general is basically it's a it's fraud. It's it's a way to extract your personal details, be it your uh, name, address, credit card, date of birth, and so forth, uh, from you in such a way that you are actually pleased to give it. Okay, so so we're not talking about um, rods and hooks looking for uh, ocean animals, right? We're actually talking about using, you know, malicious means to get access to personal information. We, we, we are, because personal information is valuable on the internet in the uh, to the right people, and it's... Um, it's something that's actually taken off, you know, in a big way, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. So, so it, it has taken off, and we see, you know, scams and emails all the time. Everything from the Nigerian prince to some really sophisticated ones, and and um, and we've got to be careful. A phishing attack isn't limited to email, is it? No, that that's correct. And look, you you mentioned the uh, Nigerian prince. Uh, episodes. I, I would suspect everybody by now must have at least seen one email saying, I'm a Nigerian prince, I've got all this money, yep. um, I need to put it somewhere, can you give me your bank account and you, you give me back half uh, or something like that. Um, th- that is such a popular scam. I even have socks on it saying, Nigerian prince, please give monies <laughs> by one of the antivirus vendors. So it was, um, it was quite funny. Yeah, so, so fishing, and let's get the definition right because I think okay. we'll start there. Give us a concise definition of what's a phishing attack, Scott. So, okay, so let's let's say a phishing attack. Um, you get a message sent to you. It could be an email. It could be an SMS. It, it could be um, in any form of electronic message normally saying, uh, I need your details for something. But it's not something that I'm just not going to go and ask for your bank account details, for example. I'm going to say, I'm your bank. Log in here to confirm your identity. Or... Um, 
I've actually, um, you've managed to lock yourself out. Click here to reset your password. And you get a little pop-up saying, oh, put your old password in here. Put your new password in here. But it won't actually be the bank. Right. Okay. So this is somebody malicious trying to get access to my you know, my accounts, my bank accounts, and my personal data, right? It, it is. It is. Because once you've got access to your data, you can do all sorts of things with it. Right. And I don't, I just assume they're not trying to do something nice. No. No. It's fraud, right? It, it is definitely fraud and it, it is a big industry. Okay. So, so sounds like, you know, this isn't the same as ransomware and it's not the same as a virus. So, so your anti-malware software is not going to help you here, right? That's right. This is a different flavor of security attack. Um, and ransomware will say, I've downloaded something onto my machine. It encrypts my data and says, send me 70 Bitcoin, for example, uh, to decrypt the data. Uh, or a virus will just go and sort of remove all the data on your machine and say, hey, bad luck, try again. Um, this is different. This is not actually putting anything on your machine. This is doing something in such a way or getting you to do something in such a way that you think you're doing the right thing and you're none the wiser. Okay. All right. I, I get it. So it's, it's almost like social engineering, right? It, it is. It is. Okay. Cool. Got it. Got it. Got it. So, okay. I get it, right? I get what the attacks are, um, but I'm smart. Right, and, and we'll talk about how I haven't been smart, but at the moment I'm smart. I, I can. Why, why is this such a problem? So let, let, let's have a look at that. Um, you know, in a world where online and the internet is just about everywhere in in, in most cases, uh, this has become such a big industry. You, you'd think about, um, oh, okay, someone down the road got got hacked, or there was a phishing um, attack, and someone gave someone some bank account details or some personal information. Okay, why why is that a problem? Okay, someone got ten dollars for something. Yeah, yeah I, I get it. Um, globally, the entire phishing and cybersecurity industry is actually greater than that uh, of the illegal drug trade. Wow. That's huge. So the, the cyber industry has been estimated to cost about $2 trillion per annum uh, in people paying out things that they shouldn't, be it um, uh, blocks for uh, give me money or I'll block all your data or I'm going to go and steal money from your account or whatever the actual result is. But um, this $2 trillion, by the way, is also an estimate and it's an and I muted you. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> That's all right. It's nice to be muted. I, I meant to mute myself. <laughs> this $2 trillion is, is an estimate because not everybody actually reports that they've been fished or cyber attacks. So the, the, the guess is that there's about 10 to 12% of actual attacks are reported through and can sort of be assessed. So if that's worked on $2 trillion a year, you sort of get a feel for the sort of dollars we're talking about here. Um, there was a calculation done recently that worked out there's a new attack every 39 seconds in the world. And you think, well, who's doing all these attacks? Why is this working? And it's working because about 85% of small to medium businesses think that they're actually safe and there's nothing to worry about. Wow. Okay. So it is a big thing. It, it is big. So let's talk about some of the types of attacks. So, as I say, the people listening can get a, a feel for them. I'm going to choose the one that got me. Okay. Right? So I went down, and I think I've mentioned this in podcasts before. I, I went down to Circular Key in Sydney and I bought an umbrella because it was raining. And as I walked out of the store, my phone went ping and it was a SMS and it said it came from St. George. So no number, just St. George as the bank. Um, and it said, it looks like there's just been a strange transaction. Click here to log into your online banking and verify the transaction. So I clicked here and up popped my 
you know, the, the details you need, normally need to put in for online banking, which I put in, I thought correctly, and it said, no, no, incorrect password. So I went and did it again, and it said incorrect password, and that time I knew I hadn't done the incorrect password. And that's when I instantly phoned the bank and changed everything. Didn't lose any money, but that's the type of fish, right? That's just it. That's that's one example. Um, and there's there's a lot of those sorts of flavors. I mean, I've, I've had a, a supplier email come through saying, hey, here's our latest promos. You go, oh, okay, this is a regular sort of thing because we get updates from various distributors and suppliers in the industry saying, here's what's happening this month. Here are the specials. Here's what you can focus on. Um, one of these, okay, I had a look. I clicked on the little thing to say, okay, show me the document. It went to um, a SharePoint page. And it was a bit strange because I thought, oh, okay, they're doing this on SharePoint. No, oh, it's a bit weird, but okay, fair enough. It tried to load a document. It said, you don't have access to read the document. I thought, well, that wasn't very well tested. <laughs> and it popped up asking for my credentials to log into my Office 365 account to be able to view the document. And I thought, okay, I cover it. And I thought, SC, hang on a sec. Why do I have to enter data to be able to see a promotional document that they're trying to market to me? Then I had a closer look and I found the SharePoint instance was actually a fertility clinic um, in Europe somewhere. I said, well, that's a bit weird. Why would they store it there? And you track it back a bit further and you actually find this clinic's been hacked. Their, their Office 365 instances have been taken over. It's being used to hold all these different types of documents that aren't really documents uh, and used as a basis to be able to send out email links to say, hey, go here. So I actually went back to the person that sent me the email and said, look, this doesn't look right. Um, this is, uh, you, I think you've had some problem go on here because I can't see this and it's gone off to this link in this place and this is a fertility clinic. Why, why, why is this all happening? Is this real? And an answer came back a few minutes later. It says, uh, is real, please enter data. Ooh. And, and I'm going, uh, hang on. And this is from the accounts department of this particular distributor. And I'm looking at this going, well, I don't actually know this person, but they've very quickly told me this is real, then I realized I'm actually communicating with the person running the attack. Wow. So the person running the attack is sitting there, obviously got into their email account. Yes. Monitoring their emails and yes. responding to them. Yes. Wow. Wow. I know. I've heard of those. So so I've also seen ones which said, in fact, I got one. I'm going to look it up on my phone because I got a text last night. Oh. Um, and, and I think it's quite a good one. Let me, let me go find it. Um, bu, 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 bu. Oh, I've got a lot of texts. Oh, here we go. Um, your parcel has been waiting for you for more than 14 days. Arrange a new delivery here with a hyperlink. That's that's the that's the and look at the hyperlink. What? 80q5.com slash s9nmd. Yeah, look, at least tiny URL says tiny URL. Uh, bitly um, says bitly, right? Yes, so, that's right. Yeah. So dodgy. It, it is. And look, my, my, um, my father-in-law had a similar one uh, yesterday. He stopped at our house uh, last night and said, guess what? I've won a phone. <laughs> and I'm going, Let me oh, guess, from no, JP Hi-Fi. From JP Hi-Fi. Yeah. And I go, no, you really haven't. He said, I did, I did, look. And, and I said, okay, did, where is it? It's in this message. Did you click on the message? I did, I did. I said, oh, okay, what have we got to go and fix up now? So, But he said, but I didn't enter anything because I didn't have all my details with me. And I thought, well, that's a good thing. This is not real. He said, yeah, look, I, I want a phone. It says, I want a phone. I know what it says. <laughs> yes, it's lying to you. Okay, so that's that's like the phishing attacks. But there's there's another more exciting one of these, right, called the, the whaling attack. What's yes. A, what's a whaling attack, Scott? So a whaling attack is a very specific form of phishing that targets high-profile individuals. So it might be the CEO in the organization. It might be a celebrity or it may be uh, someone who has, uh, let's say, um, 
authority to sign off on a transaction. So if I go and break into a mail account, I, for example, could send an email to people in the accounts team saying, oh, look, you need to send this money to this address immediately so we can close this urgent transaction. And if I'm sending it from, for example, the CEO's account because I've managed to get into that, people are going to look at that and go, oh, hang on, this is the CEO saying I have to do this quickly. I'm going to go and do it. Right. So so now I will say they don't actually have to crack the email account, do they? No. There's, you, you can pretend to be somebody else when sending an email. And if they're not quite set up correctly, they might let it in and not think it's junk or spam. That's right. You, you don't always have to be inside the organization or in the email account of the organization to do this. You can send something very similar such that it won't look correct. I, I saw one, um, one day when someone sent me something from Microsoft.com. But the O in Microsoft was a zero. Uh, so so what, what? this is a piece of advice. Always check the email who's sending to you because that's really important, right? It, it is. And this is part of um, security awareness, phishing awareness. Look at what you're clicking on. Does it make sense? Does, is it all encrypted that you wouldn't really know where it's going or how it's going to get there? Then that's probably wrong. And if it was real, that's bad on the people that sent it to you for making it that way. Um, it should be easy to understand and you should know what's actually happening. So so, so that's interesting. So who's doing this? Is it just like, you know, I, I'm, I was talking on the Accounting Technology Fireside Chat podcast this morning with Trevor about the film War Games, <laughs> which is one of my all-time favorite films, which has um, Matthew Broderick and Ali Sheedy and they're in Matthew's bedroom and they hack into NORAD's war planning computer instead of global theme and nuclear yeah, war. Make, makes you feel safe, doesn't it? It does, it does. It does, yes, the whopper. But anyway, moving on, Joshua. <laughs> um, but um, it's not just, you know, teenagers in their bedrooms doing it, this, is it, it? It's not. And look, it used to be that you'd, you'd find various random people all over the world doing this, but it, it's actually quite easy to do now at a basic level. And those are the more automated attacks. But specifically at country levels, we're starting to see things like here's where espionage is coming from. So a couple of weeks ago, North Korea was caught targeting UN Security Council members through phishing attacks. And this is, that's when you think about that sort of thing, and this is publicly identified in the papers, very specific incidents, not just someone thinking maybe they did this. This is actually identified and so forth. So um, it, it's a big thing. Wow, so so that's that's happening. So um, we did our we did our webinar today on the dark web, and certainly if you go to tribetech.com.au/slash/darkweb, you can actually sign up for a dark web scan. But talk to me about you know how I use the dark web. This at a high level because we've done a webinar on it. How do I use the dark web to get access to a mailbox and do a phishing hmm. attack? So not that I want to do a phishing attack, Scott. No, that, that's okay. Uh, but by the way, it's quite easy to do. But let, let's have a look at that. In the dark web, you can get all sorts of things. And let's say, I mean, we, sp we spoke about this on the on the dark web podcast last week as well, um, that there are lists of user IDs and passwords up there. If those accounts are used to access corporate mailboxes, um, being that you've used your corporate email address on a public site somewhere and you happen to have used the same password because passwords are hard to remember, this is the easy way to do it, I don't want to write it down and so forth, um, and that that site is compromised, then anyone who has access to that compromised data can try to access your mailbox using your user ID and password. Now, that gives them access to your mailbox to actually do things as if they were you inside the company. So depending on who you are and who's actually accessed 
the, the data. They could be sending things off to all sorts of areas in the company who are not going to ask, or they're going to come back and ask you, and the person's got control of your mailbox. And, and we always know the senior execs are pretty poor at computing and probably use the same username and password everywhere, right? Yeah, that, that has traditionally sort of been, been the case. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd like to think there's greater awareness uh, now, but um, th- there was the old Harvard Business Review um, cartoon of um, this integration is going to be easy. We're all using the same color computer. But it, we've obviously progressed a lot further than we have these I, days. I, I believe Blue has the most RAM. But um, <laughs> moving on from the Dilbert reference, um, and, and we said at the beginning of the podcast, and it's true, this is not just by email. No, it's, it's not. It can be SMS, but I'm thinking it probably could be physical mail as well. It, it could be, but if you think about that, the the cost to send out physical mail is well, it's a, it's a real thing. It's got to stamp. You got to wait for it to be to, you know, to be done. You've got to. What, what happens is the email is the actual physical mail going to say go to this website? Um, it's a bit okay. sort of clunky. Um, whereas anyone in the world could actually send out easily a million phishing attempts and find out how many actually come back and respond. Uh, to the point where there's actually tools available online to let you do this. Uh, if you think about, like, if you're familiar with things like MailChimp, where you can actually put a list of user IDs in there for um, for mail, you can go and create a message and go send this campaign out to these 1,000 users or 5,000 users or whatever it is. You can do that sort of thing with tools available on the dark web now. There are actually ransomware as a service products. Cool. And if you wanted to know how to get on the dark web, go look at the webinar we did this lunchtime. But um, mo- moving on, so you can get phishing kits out there. Now, we've talked a lot about the, the, the problems, the pain, the difficulty, but <laughs> a little bit of fear, uncertainty and doubt we're spreading. Let's do a bit of a, let's solve the problem. What are the things we can start doing to protect ourselves? Scott, take, take me through them. Okay, so, so a few things. First of all, user training. You need to be aware of what you are doing. And even a little bit of education in some of these areas goes a long way. This is, what are you clicking on? Have you checked the link? Does it make sense that that link would be there? If you're getting an email from someone that says, click here to put your bank account details in, well, should they really be asking for those details? And to where is that link going? Is it really supposed to be in an email doing that? Or does this just sound a bit wrong? So there is the awareness part of it. Okay, so, but as an IT manager, you know, what I'd really like to do is send emails that look malicious, right? Have kind of all that content in them, but it doesn't do anything nasty. So I can train my staff about what to look for. Are there services like that available? There there are, and there are are phishing testing kits. There are um, platforms that will actually go and send out sample phishing emails to whoever you put in for details uh, and try to get there, for example, eBay, PayPal, bank accounts, Netflix, um, those type of um, logins or those type of uh, credentials, um, it'll try to get someone to put those in. Now, it won't record them, but it will record the fact that they've clicked on the link, that they've gone somewhere, they've put their credentials in, and that this person perhaps needs a bit more training on really what they've just done because they're not paying attention. Okay, cool. Well, that's 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 going to be handy. Now, we talked about going to the dark web and stealing people's credentials, but there's a technical way around that, isn't there? There is, and it's called multi-factor authentication. What it means is that aside from just putting in your user ID and your password, there is an external item, such as a a bit of software on a phone. Uh, It could be a key fob. It could be something like that that has a code on it, and that code changes generally every 30 seconds to a minute. 
And it means that when you've put those credentials in, you also have to put in the number from the phone or the number from the key fob. Um, not so much key fobs being used these days, but phones in general with um, authenticator apps on them. And that third level of authentication means that even if someone does get hold of your email address and your password, they still can't log on because they're missing the code. Cool. Now that's excellent. Now, before we go on, take us through the wine again. I promise we come back to it, Scott. <laughs> While you've been talking, I've been sitting here enjoying my glass. So um, give give me give me a bit more on this wine. It's gorgeous. It, it is. It's quite heavier than um, than what we've we've sort of had in the past, and it's because the, the the vines produce a very small amount of fruit, and therefore it's a bit more of a condensed sort of experience. Um, and also, St. Helots in the uh, in the Barossa, very well known. Uh, well-known brand. They've, they've done a lot for a, quite a number of years in, in that area. And this is uh, this is a beautiful Shiraz. 2015 also in the um, in the Barossa was a, quite a strong year. So a lot of good performance there. Cool. Thanks, Scott. So that's some wine stats. Um, we're talking about fishing and all sorts of things. Now, we have the National Mandatory Data Breach Notification Regulations now in Australia. Yes. Um, is any of this showing up in those regulations? Do you have any stats for me? It, it is. And it, it, it's, it's starting to show up quite strongly. So... Uh, the, the data has just come out for the last six months, which would be January to June this year, uh, and they've shown 518 reports of data breach. Now, data breach could mean anything. It could mean that I've accidentally emailed out a, an account list to someone I shouldn't have, or, or um, it could mean that I've actually been hacked and broken into. Um, but 36% of those uh, breaches were the result of a phishing attempt. Well, if you, oh, well clearly a successful yeah. attempt. Sixty-seven uh, percent of them, uh, which is actually included in the the thirty-six percent is included in the sixty-seven percent, um, relate to compromised credentials of some sort. So where someone's either entered their credentials um, as a result of a phishing attack and they've been reused, or their credentials have been found on the internet from one other reason and they've been used. Um, so when you're talking about like two thirds of the reported data breaches look at compromised credentials of one shape, form or another, this is where you really need to start paying attention. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I understand. So, you know, <laughs> stats, all sorts of things and wine. Let's leave people with four things they can do today. Okay. Um, one, train your staff and also get trained yourself in that respect. There's basic training available. This is not expensive. Um, it can only be um, it can be available for a small amount of uh, dollars per user per month, sort of thing. Uh, people can get online courses, short videos to watch that just sort of show here are the key things you need to be aware of. Start doing this, and all of a sudden you're 100% better off. That's one thing. Um, be aware of what you're doing. So just don't randomly click on stuff just for the sake of clicking on stuff. And someone says, hey, look here, look here here's a here's a neat cat video. Click on this. And all of a sudden you're taken somewhere where you shouldn't really be. Why are you looking at that? Should you be doing that in the first place? Um, third thing, get multi-factor authentication. It's not hard. You may think it's a change or this is annoying. And well, it, it, it is, but it, it, it's like having a PIN number on a, uh, on a credit card. Yeah, that may be a slight annoyance, but it's there for a reason turn multi-factor authentication on use it and i guess the other the fourth thing would be start looking at your business processes when you're sending uh, money or when you're approving finance transfers have a closer look at what are you doing to ensure that that is the account we're supposed to be sending them to uh, we've seen people breaking into systems changing account numbers how are you verifying that that's the right account number for that particular supplier are you sure that it, it's correct so 
Cool. No, all, all good, Scott. That's that's absolutely awesome. So finally, before we go away, you know, podcasts, there's such thing as a free lunch, really. That's my term today. Although I think I got a free lunch. But anyway, moving past that. Um, uh, Scott, how can Tribe Tech help? So look, one of the things we do for our managed clients is we, we do dark web monitoring for um, credentials that may be out there. So that at least we know that if credentials appear um, on the dark web, and these this could be in new batches, it could be in existing batches, um, that we can be aware of that and go and change passwords accordingly. Um, we also do offer the um, the whole training around dark web, around phishing attacks, around uh, awareness and security awareness on the internet. Uh, and that's largely automated. It's quite easy to do. Uh, and it, it's very cost effective. It's the sort of thing you really want to be putting staff through it like at least every quarter just so that they're continually kept up to date with what's happening there. Awesome. That sounds brilliant. Scott, I really appreciate today. It's been lots of fun. Um, I sincerely appreciate the wine. <laughs> um, everyone, thank you for listening. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, make sure you subscribe. Give us a like. And if you'd like us to cover any comments, um, put them in the comments. If you want us to cover anything, let us know. Um, and we'll look at doing an episode on it. Thanks for listening. And thanks for coming today, Scott. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.